All right, so we are here on the first episode of the Bulls Charge podcast. Uh, kind of ahead of schedule from where we were going to be, uh, just because this has been a huge day for the Chicago Bulls. The Gar Pax era is kind of over. Pax is still around. Gar is gone. And uh, there's only one guy I can think of to help me make sense of this entire day, and that is one-third of the Bulls Outsiders on NBC Sports Chicago and co-host of Ow! Not terrible, Avery Johnson or what, maybe? Uh, <laughs> the Ball Sports Podcast, uh, Big Dave Watson. Dave, how you doing, man? I'm good, brother. Brandon, how you feel, my man? I feel pretty good. The, 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 uh, the Garpacks air is over. It's, it's over. It's done. done. It's officially done. Started up the van. They're, they're on right. the way to the airport. <laughs> the van is ready. I mean, it is picked up guard. You know, it is. We're going to a you know undisclosed location. Uh, it's no windows on the van. I uh, don't know if there were any seats inside except for two, the passenger and the driver. But uh, yeah, he's in. He's been, he's been secured, and he's out of here. That's all I know. Is he's gone? Absolutely. So the Bulls officially announced this morning Arturis Karnasovas. I'm assuming is how you say his name. Mm-hmm. as the new executive vice president of basketball operations. Uh, following that, they didn't fire Gar uh, Foreman uh, when there was a lot of speculation that he might be reassigned to scouting, but they completely got rid of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then John Paxson is being left on as a senior advisor, if you haven't seen all the news. So, Dave, what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts just on uh, on the Gar – let's just start with your thoughts on the Gar Pax era overall. You know, how did you feel they did over the past few years? Wow, that's a that's a huge question. Um, well, I would say the Garpex wasn't great uh, by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, obviously, everybody's in this to win, and everybody's in this to you know get to that ultimate goal, which is getting that championship. And you want to do things to ensure that you're getting towards that championship. And it seemed like during the Garpex era, they did a lot of things to ensure they would just be a first or second round playoff team. Um, it, a lot of things they did. Now, I'm not one of those guard packs bashers. I'm not. I have a lot of love, especially for Paxson. I have a lot of love for that guy. Uh, not just because of what he did on the court, but you, you can't have that kind of hate in your heart for a guy who brought in so many people that you love. Like, there's no Tom Thibodeau. There's no Joe Kim Noah. There's no Nazi Muhammad. There's no Nate Robinson. There's no Luol Dang. There's no Taj Gibson. Like, these are all guys that are revered, loved, supported, respected throughout the city. And people cry when they sit and watch some of those games, game seven in New Jersey or game one against the Heat and things like that, or even that whole Boston Celtics series. Yeah. That was all Paxson stuff. Paxson put all that stuff together to put those teams. He assembled that team. He assembled that coaching staff and got them in that position to where we were competing for a championship. So I have some level of respect. For Gar, I mean, for uh, John Paxson and what he did for that organization and the people that he brought in. It's the one place I've always trusted the front office is when they, when they scout and when they uh, draft. I have trust for them there. Gar Foreman's different. Because Gar Foreman, when I think of him, the first person that comes to my mind is Cameron Payne. That's the first <laughs> person I think of. And I can't, for me, that stuff was inexcusable. That, that was the start of the ending, was the constant cramming down our throats of Cameron Payne when we saw that this dude could not play basketball. What you gave up to get Cameron Payne. 
Uh, you know, the things you gave up, you like, I just mentioned Taj Gibson. You get basically gave him up, you know, and a draft pick <laughs> to get you uh, Cameron Payne and like King Joffrey. So I, those moves like that were upsetting. A lot of people didn't like the three alphas. I wasn't one of them. It didn't bother me that they did three alphas. I felt like they just wanted to be a name again for a year and see if they can get some free agents to come in here based off of getting uh, Dwayne Wade. So trust me, I, I don't, I'm not mad that people hated that era, but I, I'm not one of those that hated that era. I'm not. Definitely. But, yeah, but uh, the constant uh, <clears throat> ridiculousness that was going on, you know, behind the scenes, the acting like they were James Bond and, you know, just the secrecy that was going on and not the openness to fans because Bulls fans are very intelligent. Say what you want. They're very intelligent. They know the game. They know what's going on. And they can look and they see and they know what's happening. So they know when they're being lied to. And it seemed like there was a lot of that going on. And there was a lot of insulting of intelligence going on with that guard packs era. So, yeah, man, it was a lot of things. And, and the oversensitivity, Brandon, like the, they were so sensitive to a lot of stupid things that didn't matter to anybody else but them. You know, like I'm more concerned about what's going on on the court. They're more concerned about how it looks. They're more concerned about what the optics. And we're like, well, the optics should be, how about you put better team on the court? <laughs> like, that's the optics we're concerned about it, it should be looking at. So, overall, I don't think it was great for guard packs. Uh, they had a couple moments. Paxson had much more moments and bigger moments and more well-respected moments for me than Gar Foreman had. Uh, but Gar Foreman will get a job again because he does have some semblance of respect as a scout throughout the league, but as a GM, he does not. And I am happy he's gone. I am ecstatic that he is gone. I'm glad that this whole era is over, and mm -hmm. I get to put it in the rearview mirror. Absolutely. I think I'm right there with you. I, I have more respect for Paxton uh, because I think a lot of people, especially younger fans, they don't remember how irrelevant the Bulls um, were in the early 2000s. And that right after the, the – the Jordan era, and then the early 2000s, the late 90s, early 2000s, they were just pathetic. I mean, yeah. they, had, they had they they brought out Benny the Bull. You guys have talked about this on your pod. They brought out Benny the Bull to try to recruit T Mac. Mm -hmm. uh, they they made several just awful draft decisions uh, with Marcus Pfizer, uh, uh, Dalbor Bagarak uh, back in like I think 2000, 2001, somewhere in there. They were just not. They had no sense of direction. And Paxton comes in. Uh, the next few years, they got Heinrich, Ben Gordon, one of our favorites. Mm -hmm. um, eventually, Luol Deng, Joakim Noah. Uh, but then, of course, the, the prize in 2008, uh, Derrick Rose. And so, Hex and I never had as much. Um, I had I didn't have as much venom against. Gar just seemed like a used car salesman. <laughs> like he was just trying to uh, <laughs> he was just trying to put one over on you the entire time, and he wasn't always telling you the truth. And he seemed like he was just out for his own interest. And it, it kind of echoed up uh, this this quote. Um, if I can find it, it cracked me up from a Cody Westerlin from the virtual presser they did today. This is Arturis. He said it was apparent we have different philosophies in this discussion with Gar Foreman, and he fired him because that would prevent the Bulls from moving forward. Mm. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, I, I see that. Uh, Gar just seemed like he was out for his own interests and out for his own things. I didn't, there was no way he was going to fit with this new regime. Uh, but he also did talk highly about John Paxson and said he had a great reputation around the league. And it sounds like Gar did not. 
you know, it's kind of echoing what your thoughts were and my thoughts are. So, yeah, yeah, um, that, that's that's just how I feel about it. Like, it's not for me. It wasn't Paxson, you know. Um, like you said, he has a good reputation around the league. Some people like him. Uh, they have some respect for him. I mean, they wouldn't have been able to make some of the trades they did if you didn't have some some kind of respect for uh, John Paxson. But Gar Foreman, people just were like, who? Like, you didn't know who he was. You oh. never heard what he was. You just knew that he was here. And then he was put in a position of power. And then it didn't work out. So it was just a lot of that. So with the news today, sadly, Jim Boylan was not included. Ugh. So do you think that Jim Boylan will be the coach of the Bulls next year? What's your take? Oh, man. Yeah. You almost made the preacher cuss, man. I was like, man, look, no, there's no way Jim Boylan will be the coach of this team next year. Um, There's no way you can't sit and watch and look and what he's done on the basketball court and think that he's going to have any semblance of being around this team next year. You've heard quotes from the players who basically have said he can't coach. (laughs) These, These are basically the quotes that they're saying. We like him. He's a great guy. He cares about us. He can't coach. Those are the quotes. Those, that's what I'm hearing from these players when I'm reading these uh, statements about them. There, how many clips can you look at of players on the sideline dumbfounded by some of the decisions that he was making? The timeout. Man, how, the timeout. Come on, man. How many, time, how many clips can you look at of coaches on the opposing team who are dumbfounded by the decisions that he made? Let's not forget the coaches are a fraternity. They have each other's back. And I watched Jim Boylan alienate at least three coaches. I watched Doc Rivers get mad at him. Doc Rivers. Oh, yeah. Up, come on, get upset at him. I remember. I don't remember the name of Phoenix's coach who they had before Monty Williams, but he walked clear off the court and didn't even shake his hand after a game because of him calling timeouts with, like, them down 20. How many times did we watch this dude call timeouts with the Bulls, like, down 20 with, like, a minute left, with, like, 15 seconds left? It's a waste of time, Brandon. It is a waste of time and a waste of effort to continue to have this man here on our Chicago Bulls. And I'm just waiting patiently. That's all I'm going to do is wait patiently and let my man AK cook and see what he's going to cook up some more. But, no, I don't expect Boylan to be here at all. Uh, I don't either. I, you know, I, I think rea- the reality of it is with the league shut down right now, there's 65 games for the season. If you're mm-hmm. a fire now, um, it could impact a lot of the offseason. So until there's a clear direction of where the league is going to go the rest of the season, I don't think they're going to fire him. But I think it's coming. I think it's, right. I think it's absolutely coming. And it goes back to a lot of stuff you just said. The perception around the league is he's a joke. And his comments about um, building dreams and you know, making quotes on them and the leadership committees and those, all the stuff that he's done over the past couple of seasons. Um, if you're trying to build a winner here, and it sounds like Arturis is going to try to build a winner here, you can't have him on the sidelines. And I, I'm, I'm glad. I, I really am. I feel bad for Jim Boylan, the guy. He seems like a, a good guy. Great guy. But, um, I, you know, I just – some people just aren't good coaches. It happens. It uh, happens, Brent. I mean, it, it happens that way sometimes. And I, I mean, you hit it on the head. Like, he is a really good guy. In the times and the interactions that we've had with him, he's engaging, he's funny, he's personable. You can see all those things. Those like he is definitely a person you want to hang out with, have some drinks with, and watch a game at the bar with. I don't want to watch a game with him coaching it. That's the problem. Like I don't. He's a great person, but he's just not a good basketball coach. 
And just looking at the basketball decisions I would see him make would drive me insane. Sitting there watching those game after game when we would be doing Bulls Outsiders, I'm watching every single game. And just the X's and O's of it were, were perplexing. Like, I couldn't understand the, the moves and the decisions that he was making. And then I'm looking at the players, and they don't understand it either. And then I'm listening to the announcers, and they don't understand it either. So I'm like, okay, so it's not just me looking at it and, you know, just being all basketball nerdy about it. No, the landscape of the NBA does not understand what's going on with, when you make these decisions. So, yeah, he's, he's just not a good head basketball coach. I think he's the worst Bulls coach I've seen. I've seen a lot. But I think he's worse than Tim Floyd. Like, because it's, it's one thing to be bad, Brandon, but it's another thing to be bad and stubborn. Oh, yeah. I, I don't remember Tim Floyd as well. You know, being in Kentucky, I didn't get to see Tim Floyd as well. Oh, you, you, you missed nothing. Don't worry. You didn't miss anything. <laughs> Back then, I could only watch on national TV, and um, Tim Floyd wasn't on national TV a lot. <laughs> That's true. Very true. The, the, Very true. the earliest Bulls game after the um, – after the title years, I remember was Shaq throwing a punch of Brad Miller and missing him. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I think that may have been – that was after Tim Floyd, I think. So. Yeah, it was. I, I, I remember that. That was a classic right there. We thought you could feel the wind through your screen when that Shaq punch came, man. That was a heck of a swing. Oh, yeah. Completely whiffed, too. That just blew my mind. I was like, I don't know if he was trying to hit him or trying to miss him. To yeah. Injured. Just kind of sent a warning shot. But, Ooh. Uh, Oh. Yeah, that was something. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm with you on your boy. And I, you know, some guys, just, he's been around the league 20-something years. Mm. Um, a lot of championship experience with the Spurs, with the Rockets. Uh, but Akeem Olajuwon been around a lot of greatness, but sometimes it just doesn't translate to, to being a leader. And I, I don't think the Bulls have a leader right now, not an effective one. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think with this particular group, Zach wants to be a star. He wants to, <laughs> he wants to be the guy. Yeah. Uh, whether he should be the guy, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's you know, I guess debatable. Uh, to me, it's not as, as debatable on this team as it was, you know, 12 months ago. But because mm. um, Larry Markman has really just turned into a statue standing outside the three-point line, which oh, yes. if that's on him or on Boyle and I, you know, whatever. Um, but they, they have to have someone who can kind of put these pieces together. And I, I think that's going to be the most important piece of the offseason um, at this point is finding the person who can put these young pieces together and, and develop these guys into something more than just uh, five individuals on the court that really don't play well for another. Mm, mm, that's true. And that's, that's what we're looking for is some competency. Uh, for me, that was lacking severely uh, this, this year. Uh, just the incompetent play, whether it, whether it was the players on the court, because I'm not going to put it all on Jim Boylan. No. Uh, the players have to get out there, you know, and execute and have to play. And a lot of them were, were not good at it. Um, Tomas Sadoransky, uh, yeah. like you said, Laurie Markkinen. You know, I'm a huge Laurie Markkinen fan. Oh, but he was just, I mean, non-existent this year. And I've, I've never seen that kind of regression uh, in a player that fast. Uh, no. So, yeah, and I'm not – trust me, it's not all on Boylan. I'm, I'm not going to put all that on Boylan, but – some of that is on Boylan, and some of that is definitely on Laurie. He has to say, no, I'm not going for that. I got to make this move, and he has to make better plays out there on the basketball court, period. Um, but, yeah, I want to see some semblance of competency. There has to be structure on this team. I didn't feel there was any kind of structure going on. Guys are just going through the motions out there. Um, and 
a guy like Zach Levine, because I, I know I know we uh, uh, kind of disagree on Zach Levine, but uh, as far as him being, you know, like that kind of star leader kind of caliber player and things like that. But, you know, I mean, he's a 25-point-per-game score. He's a great player in this league and stuff like that. Now, will he be the leader for this team going forward? I have no idea. Uh, just depends on the coach that they're bringing in and what kind of direction they want to go in and if Zach is willing to go in that direction. I think all, that, all those things will determine if he'll be here or not. Because let's be real, nobody's untradeable on this team, not one person. Um, including Zach Levine, even though he's, you know, your best player right now, nobody's untradeable. And I was thinking about that one day where I was like, man, is anybody untradeable on this team? And I was like, and it's 25 points per game untradeable. I was like, well, if Reggie Theus was tradable, he's tradable, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like got everybody's tradable on this team. So he's definitely tradable and stuff like that. But I really do like um, Zach Levine, but if not going to fit the philosophy, because right now we're following – the 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 leadership of of AK is it's what he's saying it's what he says goes right now it's not I don't have a oh man I have to follow what this player is saying because you know I trust what he's doing more than I do what this front office is doing no it's it's all brand new regime right now so it's whatever AK wants to set up and what he wants to put forth and what he wants to do and I don't know if it's going to work and I don't know if it uh uh uh, will we'll succeed or what will happen, but I'm rolling with him. He's the one I'm rolling with. So he's the one that's going to have to make those tough decisions about who stays and who goes. And honestly, for me, there's only like two players. I'm like, I just really want to see stay here at least one more year. And that's Lori marketing and Kobe white. Those two guys, I really, really want to still see be here. And cause I want Lori to give me one more year. I just I, – I can't give up on what I saw, Brandon. Like, I, I know what I saw. My eyes didn't lie to me. And to see the regression that he had just makes me think, okay, you know what? I'm going to give you one more year. If you don't do it for that one more year, then I'm completely over it. I'm completely done with it, and we can move on from there. But I just want to see that one more year from Laurie. I want to see uh, Kobe White. He's exciting. And anyone else who wants to come along, I'm with it. And anyone who doesn't make it, man, thank you for your time. And we're going to keep moving. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think the two questions for me coming to the, the offseason, uh, well, first is can Arturis fix some of the uh, the redundancy that's on this roster? I think there's a lot of players um, that are redundant. I think Kobe and, and Zach Levine are just really redundant on the same team. I think uh, Lowry and Wendell in a lot of ways are kind of redundant. Uh, on the same team. And I think actually uh, one of our favorite guys, Daniel Gafford, I think he actually fits better alongside um, Lowry in a vacuum than, than Wendell might just because of his athleticism, his need not to touch the ball every possession and be fed. Um, I think Wendell needs to have some touches and I, I just don't think they have the, the offensive system in place to, uh, to do that yet. Okay. And then the second question I have is, you know, how does, uh, how does the rest of the league see Zach Levine? Because I know a lot of Bulls fans think he's a superstar, but when you listen to some general media, uh, it's kind of a mixed bag. Some people think he's just empty calories. He's an empty 25 points a game, and he's not impacting the game and, and that kind of stuff. So I wonder how Arturis is going to see him and if he's going to see him as um, as Paxson and, and guarded, you know, as a cornerstone, a, a franchise cornerstone, or if he's going to see him as an appealing trade asset that he can get something for. Uh, yeah. Because I mean, it, 
it, it sounds like he has carte blanche on what, whatever he wants to do at this point. He can you know, trade whoever he wants to, hire, fire, and go about his business. Um, I don't know what the best the best option is at this point because you're right. He, Levine right now is the best player on the Bulls, but um, I, I got to see Lowry. I got to see I got to see another year or two of that thing. Um, he's just too good to regress like he has, and I, I just see something. He's got a skill set that we need and that a lot of teams would love to have, and I think there's a lot of potential on tap there that um, I still see a potential franchise guy. Am I crazy? Am I crazy? You don't think he's a potential franchise guy still? Uh, you think Laurie is? Yeah. Um, I don't I think, think you're crazy. No, I, I don't find it. I don't think you're crazy at all. I still have those thoughts um, that he's a guy that you can build around. I don't. I never saw him as a sidekick. And I understand why people see him as such, as a number two, and that's as far as he can go because he's not demanding. And yeah. he doesn't, you know, have that, man, give me the ball mentality, which is fine. But that's, for me, always something you can learn as your years go on. And I, and I always point back to Dirk when I think of those things, because Dirk was not that at all until like 2011, <laughs> you know, like, or two, or even 2000 earlier. Um, I think it was 2007 when they played the Suns and he dropped 50 on them in, in games in game five. And though that's when it came out for him, but it took him years to get to that point to oh. realize he was the best player on the court and to realize I'm better than everyone. It's, it takes some guys a day. It takes some guys a year. It takes some guys eight years to figure these things out. I'm just here to give, obviously, Lori is going to take him time to figure it out. Now, my thing with Lori has always been is I've seen that he knows that mentality. And he just, because I saw him do it over when he was playing with his team in Finland. Yeah. And, and I'm not just talking about the way he played. And I'm not talking about the scoring and you know, all that. I'm talking about the mental of it. I'm talking about him demanding the basketball, the, him talking crap to people when he's hitting turnarounds in their faces, mm-hmm. the him, you know, yelling at his team, like, yeah, let's get it. Let's get it going on. And the constant movement of the ball. Those are the things that I'm like, oh, he has that in him because that's already there. It's in him. And for some reason, when he got here, it didn't travel with him in the carry on when he flew over. And he's like, he left it back home. And you would see it sparingly sometimes. You see it maybe one game or something like that. Or a game his son uh, has been flown over and he gets to spend time with him. Then you'll see it pop out of him. I saw it happen to him once in a game with his father. And I believe it was they played Denver. I think it was the Denver game they played. And his father had came uh, to see him. And that next game, he, he was going crazy. Like, he was just balling out. And it was just great to see, like – those things matter to those young guys. That's do you, I know. I know you remember the the Dean Smith game when he came to see Kobe White. Yeah, Kobe White had an incredible game that first game. He was like, "Man, can you come to more games, please?" Like he, he, some guys need that stuff. You know what I'm saying? Need to see those those people, their loved ones, especially a person who's not from here. I think it helps him a lot with those things. But and that's why I think. Um, having AK here is going to help Lori because now you have a guy in charge who understands international basketball and a guy who played for Lithuania and who who was respected all over pretty much in all circles of basketball like AK is. Mm -hmm. So I think he understands Lori more so than anybody that's on the organization outside of maybe Tomas Sadoransky who can understand what that mentality is and what it is like growing up. You know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, and playing for international teams and stuff like that. So I'm excited for Lori 
So because to have a guy like that in place for him, I still think he can be that franchise guy, Brand. I don't think it's crazy to think that. Uh, I just think you have eyes and you saw what it could be. And we know that this season was an anomaly because every single person probably except Zach Levine regressed on this team. So, yeah, I I, I still have no problem with you believing that he can be a franchise guy because I still have those hopes and aspirations. My evidence is game one, 35 and 17 in Charlotte. Oh, ball. I was, I was I was blown away. And I had just written a piece about Zach Levine making an all-star leap. And I immediately regret I was like, well, no, it's going to be Lowry. <laughs> it's going to be <laughs> And then uh, the next few games, and of course, you know, it just – it went downhill from there for the most part. It just yeah, – yeah. I, don't, I don't understand – I don't know if there was a minutes restriction, but for a while it just seemed like he was just playing 29, 30 minutes a game. Maybe I was just to fit him in with, with Thad Young, but for a guy like that, he just needs. I think Casey Johnson kept tweeting it. Um, he's got to play more. He's got to play. He's 22 years old. You got to play the guy. And I think it just. I think his rhythm was just thrown all around, and they just had him standing at the three point line. That was part of the scheme, just having him kind of uh, on the wing or slightly toward the top of the key at the three point line all the time. And, uh, mm-hmm. and toward when he got hurt, um, you saw him start to attack the rim more and. And um, and started playing a little bit more natural than what he was, and I, I still have hope that that's going to be the norm of the new coaching staff, and and they're going to figure this thing out. But who knows? We'll have to wait and see, I guess. Yeah, definitely a, a wait and see approach coming up. Uh, but it's an exciting wait and see because I just love what I'm watching right now. Like it's like I keep telling people, there there no more. There's a new chef running the kitchen. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna let him cook. Because right now, everything I smell right now smells delicious. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just going to let him cook and he can serve it however he wants. I'm just going to sit here and when he's ready to, to serve the food, I'll be ready to eat. I'm ready. I, I'm ready. I'm, I'm really ready to see for next season. I, I don't even care if the season resumes at this point. <laughs> right, right, right. I, yeah, this season is clearly over. Uh, just to see, and who knows, we're probably going to have a, a decent lottery pick again. Who knows what? will become of that this is kind of a weak draft it sounds yeah. like but, um, and that's a and that's a good thing also about ak is i like i, I like the team that he drafted mm-hmm. in denver and the teams that he put together i mean first of everybody talks about the fleece job that that he did for the bulls when he you know gave us doug mcdermott and we got gear and they got uh gary harris and uh nurkic got the two picks that turned out to be those guys and but my thing was when he drafted Jokic. I mean, Jokic is a second-round pick. He was the 41st pick in the second round. And, I mean, who's looking at that? Like, everybody – you can praise Jimmy Butler, and that's, that was an incredible pick, Jimmy Butler. That was an incredible pick, okay? But Jokic is a dude who you are considering for MVP. This is like a dude who's top five MVP, and they found him in the second round. That's unheard of. That's unheard of stuff right there. So drafting him, uh, uh, getting Jamal Murray, and Jamal Murray looking like an all-star guard this early in his career, I did not expect to see that from him. And the coach that he brought in, Mike Malone, has been great for them. I mean, just the whole entire team they put together and the way they play and the way they are coached. And they are second in the West, Mm -hmm. for goodness sakes. This is the Western Conference, and they are a top three team. That is that's that can't be, you know, uh, sugarcoat, man. You can't just gloss over stuff like that. That's amazing that he did, and now I get to see him bring that over here to our organization 
and do that here. And he talked about his love for the Bulls. You know, he said he said a line, Brandon, that that stuck out for me where he said overseas, he said Chicago Bulls was American basketball. And I was like, whoa, okay? Like, whoa, that is a huge statement. That, for me, that is colossal, man. He said, that that's American bad. Like, when you wanted to know what American basketball was, you looked at the Chicago Bulls. Incredible. So he's already got a mentality. He knows what it is to, for, for, to be a Chicago Bulls winner because he's seen it because he was a follower and he was a fan of it. So he, and he put it on that pedestal. So he already knows what we used to. You know what I'm saying? So he, so the fact that he wants to be here and try to get us back to that kind of level, man, I'm, I'm over the moon excited, Brandon. It's, it smells delicious, Brandon. It smells delicious, man. It's an exciting time to be a Bulls fan right now. I'm telling yeah. you, I, I really like the Michael Porter Jr. pick too because right, I forgot about, about that. Yes. I, I was tweeting somebody the other day. I think it was uh, our guy C Red Fred. Shout out C Red Fred. Shout out. Uh, we were tweeting back and forth and um, like that. Garvin Pax would have never taken a chance on Porter Jr. with right. his history. And it all happened from the Derrick Rose stuff, and I get that. It just kind of hovered over them. But the the mentality that Arturis had, just the, the high-risk, high-reward kind of mentality just really spoke to me. Because if Porter Jr. becomes anything like he was uh, coming out of high school, that takes the Nuggets to another level. Yes. Having him on your roster and taking that chance, why not? I mean, it was a, what the? 13th or 14th pick of that draft 14th yeah it i i love that mentality and i just don't think that uh, the previous regime had that kind of mentality uh for guys like that and um i think he's gonna bring that to the table i'm really excited for you know how like you said how he's going to draft and how the, the gyms he's going to be able to find and how he's done that in denver already um and to see that happen here in chicago and see some um see that this brand of basketball I, the one thing that's bothered me in the past i guess since um probably since Derrick Rose left, um, just watching games on TV, and I haven't been to the United Center in several years, mm-hmm. but just how dead the crowd is. Mm. Like, it's just not excited at all mm-hmm. um, at any game. I can't remember the last game I watched. I was like, man, the crowd's just really into this. Mm-hmm. And you watch some of these games, NBA, um, their, their uh, YouTube account showing a lot of the old games. They show um, Bulls games and that kind of stuff mm-hmm. from the Jordan era and the Rose era. But you see how loud the crowd is. It makes you miss that. It makes you miss the excitement of uh, Chicago Bulls basketball, and I hope that excitement comes back. Um, yeah, the regime. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right, and and there was nothing to really be excited about. Um, I do remember the the last game. Uh, I saw that the the crowd was like amped for uh, when when the Bulls Outsiders was there, and we saw them play OKC, mm-hmm. and. Kobe White had an incredible game that game. And uh, the crowd was going crazy, like, because it was a comeback. And the Bulls came all the way back. I don't remember if they won or lost. Honestly, I don't. Um, but it was a – they made it close. I, I want to say they won. Yeah, I, I want to say they won that game because I remember Felicio trying to lose that game for them. <laughs> and he, they, it just didn't happen that way. So, yeah, the Bulls it – was, it was exciting, you know, being there. And I'm just looking around like – yeah, and it still wasn't at that level of of peak ridiculous fandom. It was just people just happy that competency was happening on the court because Kobe White was having an incredible game. Oh, so yeah. it wasn't just a, you know, everybody just zoned in, you know what I'm saying, on the game like you're talking about. 
Like, you know that feeling because you could feel it through the television. That stuff you're talking about. Like, you could just feel it radiating. And when the team, you know, when we just, rawr, we wanted and we were hungry, we were savage and, and where everybody was on the same page. And everybody just had this joy and, and the United Center was packed and it was just rocking. Like, yeah, it wasn't none of that. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't that. It was, it was more excitement because we made a comeback. It wasn't just a constant hum throughout the game. You know, like like we it used to be, but man, it's it's gonna be back there soon, baby. We we made the right moves to ensure that we can get back to that level soon, and I'm I'm just excited. I, yeah, I think the Bulls are actually a competent franchise again. It's crazy. Uh, yes, yes. But I think management was kind of embarrassed. I think they got embarrassed over All Star Weekend with the, the fire gar packs signs on TV and like all the hashtags trending throughout social media, that kind of stuff. I think it really showed them that. They couldn't just sit on their hands anymore. Yeah, they had to make a change, and I, I'm really a fan of what they've been doing so far. And I, I think it's going to continue on. I think we have a um, a smart guy at the helm, and yeah. um, it's been a long time coming. I'm you know 17 years of the John Paxson era, and I guess about what 10 is. I can't believe it's been 10 years for Gar Foreman as the GM. Oh, um, can you believe? It? I mean, it's been 10 years since the Bulls were in the Eastern Conference Finals. That was a long time. But yeah, exciting times ahead, Dave. Exciting times, Brandon, man. We on our way, man. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. Well, Dave, I appreciate you joining me out here. Uh, I, it's always good to talk to you. Always good to hear your voice. Uh, anything you want to say about Black Panther before we uh... – Oh, yeah. Well, a couple of things I want to say. Brent, you, first of all, you know you're one of my favorite people, period. You've been one of my favorite people for, for years, sir. So, and that'll never change, man. So I, I definitely wrote with you. You're my guy. And I got you whenever you need me. I, I will definitely be there for you, my friend. Um, and yes, uh, your taste in movies are horrible. Uh, it's one of the things I do love about you. And uh, Black Panther, I, I, I'll never, ever let you live that down, but I'm okay with it. You know, I'm accepting of it. Uh, but these other ones, man, I got to get you on, man. You got to watch Terminator 2, man. You got to watch, watch that. I, that is going to be on my list. I did start watching Dr. No again the other night. Okay, okay. Still wasn't feeling it. Um, I, didn't, I didn't get, I was probably about, you know, maybe a quarter of the way through um, and then fell asleep, honestly. But I, I just, I love uh, some of the James Bond movies. And then, like, that one just never really resonated with me. Yeah, um, yeah. And it's okay. Yeah. yeah, it's so for me, it was the one that just made him James Bond. Like, it just was like, oh, this is James Bond. This is what it's supposed to be, and this is how it's supposed to be. Like, anytime they, they show the scene of any James Bond saying Bond, James Bond, yeah. it's that clip from Dr. No, of him at the casino table with that cigarette hanging off, half off his lip. That's the scene they're going to show every single time. So that's why Dr. No is so, you know, highly regarded, I feel. Uh, among sure people, like a smoothness about him in that movie too. Yeah, man, it's so smooth, man. Like every time he's on the screen, every time Connery's on the screen, he just has like command of it. It seems like it's like he just really is embodying James Bond at that point and kind of trying to build the character up. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, and he built it, and he built it up, and he left, and he came back, and he still had that about him. And because I know you, you're not a Roger Moore fan, but I was, I'm a big, I got to be a bigger Roger Moore fan as the older I got, because I realized what he was doing was kind of playing a caricature, a real caricature of, of James Bond, a guy with no flaws and no mistakes and who would just do every single thing right. Like Sean Connery still had a smooth, it was super smooth, but still had kind of a, 
uh, he might go through some trouble on this one. You know what I'm saying? Like, Sean Connery, I mean, uh, Roger Moore, dude, it, not a hair was going to be out of place. Like, it was never going to be a problem. He was going to have the right joke, the right gadget, <laughs> the right everything, every single time. There was never going to be a loss at any point in time during the Roger Moore era. So these other James Bonds that you've seen them go through it and where they might have experienced some kind of loss, even uh, – even Timothy Dalton's uh, did, even Pierce Bronson's, especially Daniel Craig's. Um, but man, Roger Moore, I mean, taking no L's <laughs> ever. He's, he, he was he was not doing it at all. But Sean Connery, though, still number one. Oh, yeah. No love for George Lazenby? Uh, why you got to do this to me, Brandon? <laughs> you like Honor Majesty Secret Service? Is that one of yours? No, no. You know, like it? I actually like it a little bit. I, 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 think, it's, I think it's a pretty good movie. It just seems disconnected from the franchise. <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds about right. <laughs> but I feel the same way about Rocky Five. I was talking with somebody about Rocky the other day. I feel the same way about Rocky Five. Like you just watch it by itself. It's not a bad movie. It mm-hmm. is the worst of a great franchise of movies. <laughs> so that is a fact. It, it is is it is a terrible. Out because of that, I think. Yeah. It's still like even with all the new Rockies that came out, it's still for me the worst one. Even it's even worse than Rocky Balboa because even Rocky Balboa tried to do. They tried to make sense. It tried to make sense, you know, out of that. Rocky Five just was like, man, we're squeezing that sponge dry. We're gonna get the rest of this check. You know, we're gonna get the rest of this check. Like the man has brain damage. Like, but now I'm gonna still go ahead and get this street fight on with a heavyweight champion in the middle of the street. No, no, Rocky, no. Creed 2? You a fan of Creed 2? I am a fan of Creed 2. I, I saw I like I really enjoyed both Creeds. I, I think they did both of them well. The first one was amazing. Oh, first and, one. Yeah. First one was really amazing. And I just wanted the second one to just kind of continue it on. And and that's all it did. Like I wasn't looking forward to elevate. Honestly, I wasn't. I wasn't looking forward to to like, oh man, it's gotta be up here now. It's gotta be on that level. Because anytime you bring in an Ivan Drago son, you oh. know there's a sense of movie magic already coming up. You know what I'm saying? So I suspended all of that. I was just like, okay, well, let's just continue it on. And they continued it on. And they did a really good job of it, of continuing it on, in my opinion, and making that story continue to move along to the point where I'm like, yeah, I can't wait for Creed 3. If Creed 3 hits, I want to see where they go with that. So, yeah, I enjoy Creed 2. I thought they did a good job of uh, keeping it dramatic, and uh, having a good job of the dynamic between Stallone and uh, uh, Young Creed. Yes, absolutely. I, I thought it suffered from the same problem Rocky II does. And there's like a there's a lull in the middle of the movie that just kind of drags out. Mm. It kind of slows the pace. Mm. And it picks up. I mean, it's it's just good. I mean, from the time he's training in the desert. Through the oh, the yeah. Oh, those scenes are just amazing. Yeah, and, it's not uh, easy to – Yeah, it's, it's not easy to do a sequel of – old characters and their sons you know what i'm saying that's not easy to do and make it believable you know that's that's not simple to do so the way they pulled that off i I was completely impressed oh yeah i i yeah i'm a fan i'm a fan of the creed franchise as well Um, i can't wait for creed 3 whenever it decides to come out yeah we'll see yeah i'm excited well dave again i appreciate you coming on talking bulls talking movies we could talk movies probably like all day in wrestling. So it's true. And wrestling. Just, you know, not do that to, for the sake of time. But I appreciate you coming on, being the first guest on the Bull Start podcast. And uh, love to you, brother. Keep safe. Keep keep healthy.
Thank you, my man. I love you too, bro. Thanks for having me on. See you.